69 offense. He was giving them the business. I like Pittsburgh. I always have. If, if they had a bigger airport, I'd live here. Yeah. <laughs> so I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. Meow, meow. Cat's still going crazy in there. Be a dog. We don't need no meow. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. Hello and welcome to the Backyard PA Football Podcast. I am Nathan Grello. And I'm Jeremiah Miller. And it is great to be with you today. Uh, we're broadcasting not live, but we're premiering this um, from Waynesburg, Pennsylvania. I am here. I moved from State College about a week ago. And Jeremiah has been in the Greene County area for a while. But it's great to have you back again. Uh, Jeremiah, anything you have to say before we kick off the podcast? No, just just happy to be back in person classes at school. Really happy to have that. Happy to have everyone back, and uh, hopefully it stays that way. So, yeah, it's really great um, to see friends again and uh, just be back in the area. There's no area better than this one. Um, I'm sure you might disagree, but uh, I really enjoy it here. Um, we haven't done a podcast in about a month, um, but that's basically because we recorded the interstate preview. And then, like, the day after, uh, the schedule got moved around, and then I was busy painting, so we haven't had a lot of time to get back into previews. But we'll be redoing today the Tri-County South preview, um, because it looks like it's going to happen this season as it is, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Just some news uh, off the top of my head. The last day, there are no fans that is going to be in attendance this year. Per Mike White, no fans will be in attendance this season. Uh, the 250-25 rule doesn't give a lot of leeway as far as fans. I know if you put two parents in the crowd for every player, um, that puts it well above 250 for most teams. Uh, so, Jeremiah, just your your instant reaction to hearing that news. Uh, yeah, you know, it's sad. You know, you'd like to see fans in stadiums, but obviously due to the pandemic and everything and state guidelines, you know, it's going to be hard to do that. Uh, maybe as the season goes on and the numbers in the state of Pennsylvania drop, um, as far as um, testing positive for COVID and all that, um, maybe maybe then we'll get some fans slowly but surely. Um, but yeah, it's sad. For, it's going to be a little a little sad seeing empty bleachers on Friday nights uh, with a game going on when usually there's a packed house at most of these stadiums on Friday nights. But you know. Um, for me, at my standpoint, you know, I, uh, I'm just happy that there's going to be high school football. So at this point, you know, to me, I'll just be happy to see high school football happen without, with or without fans. So, um, like I said, it's going to be different. It's going to be a lot different, but I think as this year has been proven, I think this year's proven a lot that, you know, it's, um, interesting times and, uh, you know, it's just what we're going to have to cope with for now. Hopefully, Hopefully just for this year, you know, hopefully next year things will be a lot different. But, you know, for the foreseeable future, you know, as of right now, it's just how it has to be. Yeah, I think anything that gets us to have a season is a positive, um, even if there's no fans there. I know, you know, NASCAR has thousand fans every event, but obviously Pennsylvania is not uh, the same state as where a lot of NASCAR events are. But hopefully near the end of the year, we can start to acclimate more fans into games, and that'll be exciting as COVID starts to wane down. Uh, moving into more news, uh, we I think we talked about this in the interstate preview, but I don't think we talked about this in Tri-County South. Um, Uniontown canceled their fall sports, 
which is one team that we cover out of many uh, in the Big Eight, and they're back. Uh, they decided to uncancel their season now. Uh, as far as the scheduling goes, it looks like they're going to have to do heat acclimation and then have 10 days of normal practice, so that puts them well into the season as far as this schedule goes. So their schedule is definitely in limbo. I don't think they're going to have their normal Big Eight schedule, but it's definitely going to be interesting for them. Um, I think this maybe could lead them to this could push them maybe out of the Whippeal because they were the only team in the Whippeal that canceled their season. Um, and all those teams that they had to play ha- are now having to reschedule games. So it's not like they can go back and renege and go back to those games. So what do you think Uniontown will do now that they're reinstituting football? Um, do you think this could kind of escalate them to kind of leave the Whippeal in the same way Albert Gallatin did a year ago? Yeah, well, actually, um, a couple weeks after Albert Gallatin's school uh, school board voted to leave the WPIL for football, Uniontown also had a vote a lot of people forget about to leave the Whippeal. Now, obviously, the Uniontown school board voted to stay in, but, you know, a year removed from that vote, you know, you could possibly see Uniontown now leaving and playing an independent schedule like um, Albert Gallatin did and maybe have a similar schedule to Albert Gallatin, and that would bring back that rivalry. You know, that's a a big rivalry you know laurel highlands uniontown and albert gallatin are all right there amongst each other so those three schools right there are pretty much the big uniontown rivalry you know they're pretty much all in the uniontown general area for the most part um but yeah i see i i see uniontown not playing in the wpil like you had mentioned they were the only uh school in the wpil to opt out and they opted out fairly early too i know uh the pittsburgh city league uh they, the whole district of the City League opted out, and they opted back in just a couple of days ago. And Uniontown kind of followed suit with them, it seemed like, you know, after the City League. I don't know why, but after the City League opted out, Uniontown followed suit with them. And then when the City League opted back in to have a season, Uniontown, you know, followed them. So, I don't know. Interesting to see what Uniontown will do. You know, there's been big games that have been added to fill in. You know, as we have mentioned, you know, the big one I feel in this area is a wash high, you know, Trinity matchup, you know, bring that rivalry back. That'll be the first time that rivalry has been played um, since 2000. So, you know, it hasn't been played since, you know, I was born. So that'll be pretty cool to see that rivalry. You know, one of the biggest rivalries in this area for sure. Um, Trinity and Wash High. So I doubt, you know, people want to see that game taken away. I doubt the WPIL wants to see that game taken away, um, you know, just to fit Uniontown. So it'll be definitely interesting to see. Yeah, and with that, you know, practice schedule now going into the season, a couple of their games are definitely not going to happen, maybe the first two. Uh, But as far as rescheduling goes, the only team that rescheduled a game was Trinity that was on their original schedule. So maybe we could see something similar to what they had if they do decide to go with a more Whippeal schedule and just replace the Trinity game. I don't know how that would work for conference standings or anything. Um, I don't think Uniontown is a team that we might... They're, they're not a team that's contending for the Big 8 right now, so I don't know if that'll play into it a little bit um, or what Uniontown will do if they try to get that Trinity game back. Uh, Wash High definitely has a say in this matter as well, so... Um, Definitely a lot of a lot of sides for both angles uh, that we'll, we're going to see heading into the season. 
Now let's go into our Tri-County South preview again. Um, we posted this uh, early August, I think, late July for the full 10-game schedule. We're gonna we're not going to say our exact opinions from that one, but we're going to say some things a little bit different, maybe add some new perspective on some of the teams before the year, um, and then you know break down their schedules again in a little bit of a different way now that teams don't have their out-of-conference games. So just looking at the season last year, uh, 2019 was the Ben Jackson show at West Green. West Green kind of swept through the entire division. California had a respectable season, had an extremely difficult out-of-conference, uh, and they came in with a playoff spot as well. Charlie Houston was kind of the surprise. Uh, they beat everyone that was below California and West Green, um, but got absolutely demolished by the two teams above them. So they were kind of in that middle tier. And everybody below that kind of, was jockeying for position, beat, beat up each other. Avella and Mapletown came in last. Jefferson Morgan and Benworth came in above them. So just what were your overall thoughts, you know, coming out of last year uh, with all of the teams in the Tri-County South? Yeah, it was definitely really uh, one-sided as far as West Green running through the whole conference. Um, and like you said, you know, Cal beat everyone else. Char Houston beat everyone else. You know, it's pretty much... Just um, really just an ordinary season, nothing too crazy, you know. I mean, just I mean, Ben Jackson runs it for 3,000 yards, you know. That doesn't happen every season, but, you know, it's pretty much like you said, just West Green running through everyone. And uh, I definitely don't see that this year with anyone running through anyone. So I think that's going to make this uh, season unique compared to last season. I think it's going to be a lot more, as we've mentioned before, I think it's going to be a lot more close at the top than it is as it has been in the past couple years. Yeah, and looking at some of the off-season moves, obviously um, the conference is reorganized, so Carmichael's will move down into the Tri-County South. That's definitely going to help the competitiveness of this division um, as far as looking at it, comparing it with other divisions in the Whitbeal. Uh, and then Chargers Houston will move up into the interstate. So I think that's an improvement for this division because Carmichael's is definitely trending in a positive direction uh, in the interstate. And now moving down a classification, that's just going to help them even more. Uh, let's get into the team previews. Again, we're going through this alphabetical. So we've already gone through this once, but we're going to go through it again. Uh, just add a little bit more perspective for each team. If you want the full chunk preview, I suggest you go back and listen uh, to the original Tri-County South preview that we did. That is on YouTube. Uh, I will, I'm not going to be posting that on the CastBox feed Yet this one will be on there. So if you if you want to go listen to our full opinions when we had the full schedule, just go back in on our YouTube channel and check that out. Now let's head into Avella. Um, Avella went one and nine last year and zero and seven in conference. Ryan Ciccini is back at head coach, and they have nine returning starters on offense, ten returning starters on defense. But of course, Avella is not a team that you know they don't have a wide talent range they have to pick from. Uh, do they have enough experience coming back in for this season, you know, to make up for that gap in talent? No, no, they don't. Uh, definitely the, the, uh, experience they have back will not, not hurt them. You know, it can only help them, but, uh, just a lack of talent up at Avella right now, you know, they've been going through a rebuild for a couple of years and still going through a rebuild. So no, Avella does not have the talent to, uh, quote-unquote, compete with the upper tier of this conference? 
Yeah, and another part of their of their team that kind of lacks is depth in the trenches. Uh, they're very light in that area, and usually they're not a team that wins a lot of games in this conference. Uh, I don't think that's going to change. They have a lot, again, a lot of the same pieces coming back, and I don't think the experience is enough to just uh, make up that difference. So I think their most intriguing game is going to be against Mapletown. Again, that game was a lot closer earlier in the year. Last year, Mapletown improved down the stretch and kind of whooped them in the second showing against them. But only one matchup between those two teams, so that might be a little bit of a bitter uh, rivalry. And uh, no out-of-conference games, so that might be the only chance the Eagles have to get their win. So uh, another long year for the Eagles. I don't think this team will compete. But moving into a team that we think will compete and that might be on the upswing is the Bentworth Bearcats. Um, they went 2-8 and eight last year, 2-5 and five in conference, but there's a lot of things to make us um, hope for the future. Coach J.J. Nab returns. Trent Cavanaugh and Owen Patricek return. The, maybe the best one-two punch in this division. Um, what are your overall thoughts, you know, predicting Bentworth? Uh, do they look like, you know, maybe a playoff threat. Uh, they definitely looked well down the year, but the defense kind of struggled. So just, just your overall thoughts going into the year for Benworth. Yeah. Um, you know, I Benworth definitely needs work to do, but I definitely think in having Trent Cavanaugh and Owen Patricic, I think that's the big thing. You know, you mentioned it. Um, if I thought they were the best to do in the Tri-County South, um, that's a little too early for me to tell. Um, I think there's a couple duos that are pretty good. Um, we'll get into Damani Stafford and Jaden Zuzak of California. I think they, um, I think they definitely are, you know, notable as being a pretty um, incredible duo. But as far as the Bear, uh, Benward Bearcats, they definitely have something to be happy about and something to be intrigued about in Owen and Trent. Um, I think Benworth, uh, right now, how I look at it, I have them out of the playoffs, but I think they're one win away, you know, one upset away. This is just my opinion. Um, but I really think they're one win away from making the playoffs, and I think they'll definitely be in the push um, even late in the season, you know, trying to make that playoffs, last playoff spot. And I, I really look forward to seeing how Bentworth does. You know, we talked to Trent and Owen a lot um, over this off season, and they seem hungry and thirsty for it. And I, I'm really excited to see those guys out on the field as well as the whole Bearcat um, team. Yeah, probably the biggest question about their team, besides the defense, is going to be a quarterback. Sean Ziak uh, graduated over the offseason, and he was kind of, especially earlier in the year for the Bearcats, he was basically the main piece of that offense. Now, as the season wore on, they started to transition more into that one-two punch, run-heavy offense, and you're probably going to see way more of that this year um, with more experience from Kavanaugh and Patrizek. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the offense looks like um, who's going to be handing off to those guys if they try to implement more passing like they did at the beginning of the last year. Um, and then defensively, again, a lot of production coming back, but it was kind of a weaker part of their team, especially against, you know, West green last year. I think they put 80 points on them. So that's going to be need to be improvement. If this team wants to kind of pull an upset against a West green or a Cal and kind of sneak their way into a playoff spot. Um, not sure what's even going to happen for playoffs right now, but uh, we're going to talk like we're assuming there will be a playoffs this season. Um, so I have their most intriguing game, October 9th, home against West Green. Um, that is going to be a huge matchup, especially for Benworth at home. Maybe there'll be fans of that game if things trend the way they're looking right now. 
Uh, Benworth is they're going to be excited for that game, especially after what happened last year. I, I think you were there. Um, just tell me what you saw from Benworth from that game, and then you know if you think they're they're going to be able to turn the corner and kind of pull some of the games that were like that last year, um, kind of help mold their team this year. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I was at the West Green Benworth game, and I believe the final score. I believe it was. Um, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was like 84 to six or something like that, or maybe 84 to 12, you know, it was just very bad. But, um, obviously when you, someone puts 84 points up on someone in a football game, it's not good. But, um, I will say Benworth, you know, they just, I, I don't know what it was, but, um, West Green had three defensive touchdowns. Um, you know, uh, Benworth was very sloppy with the ball, you know, it was early on in the season. Um, it was their second game of the season. You know, they're still kind of getting the um, quote-unquote hiccups out of the way, you know, and everything, you know. And it was a young team last year, you know, um, as a whole. So, you know, they were just, you know, playing that dominant West Green team that was last season. You know, it was probably not the best for them to play them early on, but obviously you can't help the schedule. But, um, you know, I was talking to Owen and Trent, like I mentioned, you know, they had mentioned that game as the game they look forward to the most. And uh, I know I look forward to that game because that game could very well just uh, – the, the winner of that game might just be the last team out of Tri-County South to make the playoffs. So that could be a huge game up in Bentleyville on October 9th. Yeah, and you, when you look at the teams that finished above them, obviously Manesson did. I think that turns into a win heading into this year. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Manesson later. But as far as the other teams, Jefferson Morgan – uh, West Green. I think they could win Jefferson Morgan. That's pretty much even. But between West Green and Cal, uh, what which of those two teams do you think they have a better chance at maybe pulling an upset against this year? Because if they if they do have playoff aspirations, I think they have to beat at least one of those teams. So which of those teams do you think they can maybe swipe one against? I think West Green is a pretty good candidate right now. Yeah, I would agree with that too. You know, West Green's got a lot of answers. They got to uh, you know, they have a lot of answers, too, as well on their team. You know, they, you know, replacing Ben Jackson, you know, replacing the whole backfield, you know, losing Gavin Scott, a quarterback, which they, you know, did implement Nathan Orndoff later in the season. So him back there having that experience, but losing Colin Walker, who was close to eclipsing a thousand yards last season. And then, of course, Ben Jackson eclipsing 3000 yards first player in Whitfield history to do that. Uh, you know, so they'll have a lot of answers down in Rogersville for uh, Coach Hanson. So, um, you know, I, I look for West Green. Out of the two teams you said, I look for West Green to be that team. Yeah, that that's definitely going to be an exciting game for them. Maybe our it won't be our game of the week, but we'll definitely have. I think you might be going to that game, so that'll be an interesting one. Uh, moving along here to another team, California. Uh, they made the playoffs last year. They lost in the first round. They went seven and four, six and one in conference. Again, I mentioned they're absolutely brutal out of conference <laughs> schedule. They won't have to deal with that this season. Uh, but as far as what they're looking at bringing back in the trenches, it's very bare. Uh, they lost six offensive and defensive linemen. They have Seth Raricha coming back on the defensive line, but I think he might be moving positions either to linebacker or maybe inside just to give him a little bit more weight. But athlete-wise, you know, you mentioned Jaden Zuzak is coming back to Monty Stafford, moving to quarterback. It'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table. Um, Will all of those returning athletes help them um, kind of overcome 
the lack of experience in the trenches this season. Yeah, it absolutely will. And um, especially the speed that that team has, you know, Jaden Zuzak is extremely fast. You know, when he gets an open, when he gets some open space, watch out, he'll turn the afterburners on. Um, and as I mentioned before, I think the most intriguing thing um, coming into the season, and Damani's made it a point to point that out to me, you know, uh, I think him going to quarterback is going to be really intriguing. You know, they kind of did the same thing last year and put Cochise Ryan there. Now, obviously, as I've mentioned, Cochise and Damani are two different athletes. Um, Cochise is a lot faster than Damani, but Damani is a more stout of the two. Um, you know, Damani, I look for Damani to have a stronger arm. And also, Damani's pointed out to me that this isn't his first time playing quarterback. He's played quarterback in uh, little league in middle school, which I did not know that, but he's made it a point to point it out to me that, Hey, he said, Hey, you know, I know what I'm doing back there. But, um, so I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing Demon. I look forward to seeing how much they have him throw. Um, and you know, I don't know what their Edwards' plans are for Jaden Zuzak, but maybe having like an option kind of game with him in the backfield and Demon, I think that can be deadly. Um, maybe I, I think I think Cal will run a good bit of misdirection this year, you know, to kind of help the offensive line a little bit, uh, considering it is, I mean, what we feel is, um, you know, unex, inexperienced. Uh, so I look forward to seeing um, that tandem in the backfield and what Damani Stafford can do at quarterback. Yeah, the biggest thing for Damani Stafford, I think, I think his arm's going to be there. I think he's definitely going to be mobile and a true threat against any defense. The problem I see is that when we looked at Coach East Ryan last year, he, he couldn't evade tacklers very well. Uh, the offensive line struggled to keep guys out of the backfield, and now you're looking at an offensive line that loses all of your starters. What is that going to look like for Damani Stafford? So you mentioned the stoutness. I think that's going to be probably his most important attribute uh, being able to shed tackles, kind of make plays on the run, because Coach East Ryan, he was running for his life again in games against West Green, uh, against team against Wash High, especially uh, guys were in the backfield almost immediately, even against Beth Center. So this is a team that if they want to make you know the presence felt in this conference, uh, that is has to be a priority, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Is can Demani Stafford survive tackles? Can he make plays? Um, I, I, I don't see a reason why not. Um, but that just hasn't been proven yet for, from him at quarterback. So, but if he, if he is able to do that, um, he could be the best quarterback in this conference. Do you believe so? Yeah, no question. I think if he can do everything that we're saying, I think there's no question that he could be easily the best quarterback in this conference. And then the most important game I have for them is at Carmichael's second to last week of the year. Um, that's going to be huge for them. Carmichael's is coming to this season possibly as the favorite for this conference. California's right there behind them. So that game is going to be extremely important. If that game was at California, I might even favor them, but you never know without fans. It could be a little bit of a different atmosphere uh, at the Mike Stadium. So, um, again, that is late in the year, though, so you never know. Um, but, yeah, California, they, they're looking to make an impact. I don't think... I think they had more of a chance against West Green than that game led on. And uh, I think they have a little bit more to prove this year, especially with all of the talent returning in the athlete position. Uh, I just mentioned Carmichael's will move into them. Uh, Coach Ron Gallagher is moving up from defensive coordinator, uh, taking over at head coach. 
They went four and five last year at two A, three and four in the interstate. They have six coming back on offense, five on defense. They're putting in a new quarterback um, in Trenton Carter, and then Bailey Jones and Hunter Voidofer both come back at running back. So this this is going to be a very talented, athletic team. And of course, Carmichael's always is deep in the trenches. Um, is Carmichael's really the true favorite right now to win this conference? Obviously, not even playing a game yet. Uh, man, you look at paper, yeah. I think when you look at the paper and see how they did a double A, what they have to have back to offer. Um, the big thing for them, they lost probably their probably the best quarterback in school history, I would say, in Kevin Kelly, one of the best. I'll put it that way. Um, you know, Kevin going to Cal, taking his talents to Cal U. Um, unfortunately, he won't play this fall, but uh, that'll be a big thing, especially in Gallagher's first season as head football coach. Uh, that'll be big, but having uh, Bailey Jones in the backfield, that definitely doesn't hurt you whatsoever. So as the true favorite, that's kind of hard to say right now. Um, I think there's a couple teams that are in that upper tier of this conference, um, but I think I, I have Carmichael's in that. I, I think they're one of the favorites. I do think Carmichael's is one of the favorites to um, take this conference. But like I said, you know, it's it's so wide open this year. You know, the games will speak for itself. I think if they didn't lose head coach Ryan Kroll, I think they would definitely be the favorite. But as far, you know, that's like the one. Uh, I agree. I agree. That, that's the one question mark right now. I think, you know, as far as returning talent, they're there. Uh, Ron Gallagher is probably going to run a similar system, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where they're only returning five starters. That could be a little shaky. Um, Trenton Carter, a quarterback, there's potential there. It's someone they're really excited about. Um, but, you know, having that continuity, is that going to maybe help them, you know, even though they lost their head coach, is that going to help them kind of continue on their path? Because, you know, we saw improvement from this team at 2A. Um, they were pulling games within Frazier and Beth Center, and they beat Brownsville. So this this could be you know a team that really threatens in deep, maybe to make a deep playoff run. Do you think that? Make a deep playoff run? I don't know. Um, definitely the continuity coming back will help, and then having you know it's not like Ron Gallagher's coming from another school and making an appearance at Carmichael's. You know he's been there. He's been with these kids. You know, with these seniors, particularly all three years of their high school, now he's the head, gets his chance to prove what he's got a head coach. So that'll definitely help him. I assume, like we said, they'll run a similar offensive scheme and probably the exact same defensive scheme with maybe a couple tweaks to fit their personnel. So that'll definitely help them. A little too early for me to say make a run at the playoffs. You know, I I'd have to do my research and see what every other team in single A has um, before I make a educated opinion on that subject and then i have probably the most intriguing game is week one at jefferson morgan uh they have a scrimmage against charleroi which that could really help improve their team you know heading into that game um and then that that's a tough that's a tough road game it's a return to a rivalry so you don't want to count out the rockets but if they you know win that game by 30 plus that's going to be that's going to tell us a lot about Carmichael's because um, we're already thinking they're favorites and Jefferson Morgan is an improving team. So that, that can mean a lot for their aspirations toward the 
end of the season. And speaking of Jefferson Morgan, let's talk about them a little bit. Uh, the Rockets went three and seven last year, three and four in conference. They definitely looked improved from years before. Coach Aaron Giorgi is back. They have eight returning starters on offense, six on defense. A notable loss is going to be Liam Ankrum, who will not be playing football this year. Um, but otherwise, offensively, this team was right there with a lot of other teams in the conference. Uh, Cole Jones at, in his freshman season at quarterback wasn't terrible, um, which is what you see from a lot of freshman quarterbacks, especially at this level. Uh, Jonathan Wolf is back. Um, Cole Fowler is back at wide receiver. They got a bunch of uh, pieces back on the offensive line. Uh, so is this the season, you know, where you see Jefferson Morgan kind of establish a true identity as an offense um, kind of make their case as one of the best statistical teams uh, on that side of the ball in this conference? Uh, yeah, definitely what they bring back will help them. Um, I don't know if this that'll elevate them to um, what we've been saying as a top-tier team in the conference. You know, I don't know if the talent they bring back will, you know, maybe necessarily put them over the top against a team with the likes of California, Carmichael's, or even West Green. And West Green, we know, has a lot of things they need to answer um, on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. Well, So with that being said, no, I do not think – um, that'll push Jefferson into the playoffs. Definitely bringing back Jonathan Wolf um, will be huge. But um, you know, not having Liam Ankrum back, you know, that'll you know, how many carries is Wolf you know going to be able to take a game? You know, are we looking at Jonathan Wolf getting twenty-five to thirty carries a game? You know, I I, I personally don't think he's that kind of back. You know, I mean, he, you know, that's that's a lot to ask from a guy. You know, Jonathan Wolf, who's as big as most offensive linemen on that team you know, for Jeff Morgan. So that's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of weight on his shoulders this year, as well as uh, um, the quarterback. You know, he had an impressive freshman season, to say the least. You know, I mean, nothing spectacular, but, you know, like you said, it wasn't awful. You know, most freshmen get thrown in that spot, you know, don't do that well. You know, he, he held his own out there, you know, have that experience coming back, you know. That'll help him for sure. But I, I just can't put them with – um West Green Cow or Carmichael's, and I, I wouldn't even put them above Benworth. I think Benworth is a lot better team than Jeff Morgan. Uh, I, I do think that. I think, um, like I mentioned, the big things for Benworth are their one-two punch in Kavanaugh and Patricic. So I, I, I think that being said, I look at Jefferson finishing middle of the pack in this conference. It really shows you what having a good strength is in this conference when we're saying how much better we think Benworth will be than Jefferson Morgan because look at what Jefferson Morgan brings back. They bring back three solid offensive linemen. They bring back their quarterback. And if they brought back Liam Akram, I think we would be right there with Bentworth. But it shows how much how important having a good one two punch is in this conference right now because what Bentworth doesn't bring back their quarterback. They don't bring back I mean they bring back experience in the offensive line, but I don't think the talent level is I think it's even with Jefferson Morgan maybe. Um, but just having that extra runner who brings back something different, uh, is so important in this conference and, and losing Ankrum is going to be a huge loss for them. So that's extremely important for them. If they're able to find a replace, a suitable replacement, I could see them, you know, doing overachieving, uh, better, but that that's just going to be a huge loss. They're probably still a year away right now, even though they lose Jonathan Wolf. Next year, with Cole Jones entering his third year as a starter, um, 
it could be a different season for them if they're able to find another capable running back this year. So this is kind of a trial run for the Rockets. If they're able to get a couple wins under their belt, it would be huge for them. And one of those games, you know, we mentioned Bentworth. That's going to be at home on October 2nd. So that is going to be a key game for them. Uh, let's talk about Maple Town just for a little bit. They bring back six on offense, six on defense. They went two and eight last year. Those two wins coming against the same team, and they will only play one of those one of those games this year. So, is this a one win team for Maple Town? Um, Max Venata entering his third year as a starter. He's basically going to be the centerpiece of that offense. Either Nathan Courtright is back at running back. His brother, I believe, Isaac Courtright, is also back at running back. Uh, they lose their centerpiece in the offense in Zach Green. Um, Mapletown is kind of all over the place right now. Uh, do you think they'll make an improvement from last year? Uh, no. Uh, you know, the big thing for them is, you know, they had a weaker non-conference schedule beforehand that helped. Uh, now only playing conference, I really only see one, maybe two opportunities to win. Um, a game, you know, Vela, I think that's a very even matchup and not knowing how Manesson, you know, how their numbers look this year, what I've heard, um, their numbers are looking pretty good, but you know, that, you know, time will tell with that team. Um, so with that being said, I don't think, no, I, I see only, I see Maple Town maybe winning one game. So, um, not much to say there for the Maples. I think the biggest thing for them is that they're going to have to have some continuity or some kind of depth on the offensive line for them to compete in this conference. Because when you look at other teams like Jefferson Morgan and Bentworth, it doesn't seem like, in especially Manesson, uh, that is a trait shared by those teams so that they don't have a strong amount of depth in the offensive and defensive line. And that's something that Mapletown has not had the last couple of years, but they have had historically. Um, so if they can return to that, uh, it would be huge for them. Uh, again, with their most intriguing game, I think, is Avella on October 2nd. Um, that's going to be maybe their one chance to win, but this is a definitely a long rebuild away from them competing for a playoff spot. Uh, another team that's rebuilding that went 4-6 and six last year, 4-3 and three in the conference, is the Manesson Greyhounds. Uh, they're bringing in a new coach, Shane Swope, who I think was over at Carmichael's last year. I'm not sure. Um, but... They bring back three on offense, two on defense. They were right pushing the 11-player um, limit last year. They, I think they finished the season with 15, maybe. Um, they're coming into this year with at least 24 or something. They had 24 on the first day of practice, which is definitely um, a good sign for the Greyhounds. Uh, there's a lot of question marks with the Greyhounds right now. They had a strong defense last year, but they graduate just about everyone. Um, Shane Swope is trying to in, implement a brand new culture for them. They got a new, a new locker room, new traditions, a new turnover chain. Uh, they're definitely bringing out all the stops. Um, is that going to be enough for them to try to compete this year, having all of that new culture stuff for them? Uh, yeah, definitely. If not for this year, you know, years to come, you know, obviously, you know, the first year trying to set that tradition, you know, it's going to take some time, you know, you don't want to you know, you don't necessarily expect to, you know, win the conference this season if you're Manesson. But I think if you, I think if the kids really buy into this new uh, quote unquote tradition that Swope's trying to implement there, um, you know, I, I really think this could turn around that program and get them back to, you know, historically Manesson is one of the better programs in the area and in the state of Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, if they can get them back to that and the new tradition, you know, look out for the Greyhounds the next, you know, two to three years coming and, 
you know, throughout um, the 2020s. Yeah, and another important part of that is that having that new culture is going to keep guys from leaving. Um, one a key player that could definitely help their team this year is Devin Whitlock, and we saw him transfer to Bell Vernon last year. So, and he we saw what he did with the Leopards too, um, leading them to a uh, Heinz Field appearance. Um, that's going to be extremely important for them is to try to keep some of that talent in house and. Uh, a game that might help them this year is going to be against Bentworth early in the year. That might be a crucial game for them. Well, all right, final team of the podcast, one I'm sure you're excited to talk about again, um, the West Green Pioneers. 10-2 last year, the two losses coming against Clareton and then later in the playoffs. Um, 7-0 in conference, uh, not really a surprise with a guy like Ben Jackson, but they're graduating a lot, especially a lot on the offensive line. Guys that blocked for him, you know, Brock Bedillion, um, guys like that. Uh, is West Green going to have enough replacement-wise to keep, keep up their extremely efficient offense from a year ago on that side of the ball? Uh, yeah, I mean, their offense is going to be a little different. Um, obviously, when you lose a back like Ben Jackson and Colin Walker, um, you're going to have to uh, make some replacements and some changes to fit your personnel you have this year. Um, I don't think that West Green is going to be as dominant as they were last year. I think it's going to be, you know, I think they're going to have a lot of more players. It's not going to be so much like the focus on Ben Jackson and Colin Walker. You know, I think it's going to be a several factors. Uh, Nathan Orndoff being one, Corey Wise, you know, Wesley Whipke, um, just to name a few. Um, but, I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. You're going to really see how good a coach Brian Hansen is this year in his second season. Um, you know, see what he has to work with and what he can do. But I still think West Green is a playoff team. Yeah, and that that's the biggest question is what is Brian Hansen going to do this year? Because this is, this is his team now. Like last year, Ben Jackson was such a dynamic player that you had to kind of mold your offense toward him. Uh, and that's not that's not a negative. Like he was such a great player. He led you to, you know, a very deep playoff run. Um but this is Brian Hansen's team now. He's had a year to mold his quarterback, and that quarterback's going to be maybe Nathan Orndoff. Um, not yeah, sure yet. <laughs> yeah, it's a little toss-up right now. You know, I've I've uh, seen um, Brian Hansen uh, quote as Orndoff as the X factor. You know, they started him a wide receiver last season, and then moved him to quarterback. Um, that could possibly happen this year. Maybe he starts a quarterback, and they mold him to wide receiver or wide receiver than a quarterback. You know, what I've been hearing, I've been hearing Wes Whippy um, taking first-team snaps so far. Um, so that should be interesting to see um, West playing quarterback. Um, but, you know, look for Nathan Orndoff to probably be a quarterback, in my opinion. But, uh, but yeah, it just, it's going to be interesting to see what he comes up with. You know, he's a very he's a very great offensive-minded um, individual, Coach Hanson is. So I'm sure he has something up his sleeve that will surprise us all. Yeah, and he's definitely going to need that as far as, you know, returning production goes. I mean, Jackson was just such a heavy part of that offense. Um, you're, you're bringing back Corey Wise, the running back, and he's going to be kind of, he's going to have to take that next step as your, your true runner. Um, offensive line-wise, they're going to have to replace a lot, and that's a little bit worrisome for me. They got Casey Miller back, but beside that, it's kind of depleted. Defensively, though, I think there's a lot of good pieces there to compete with uh or you mentioned Ordoff and Whipke those guys back in the defensive backfield is going to be huge for them 
Uh, Linebacker-wise, they're pretty deep. Um, in the trenches, it's a little bit light, but it could it, it could play up there. Um, defensively, do you think they have enough to compete, you know, maybe for a playoff spot this year again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the defensive backs, you know, just to be frank, you know, they got torched in the semifinals up against Stowe Rocks. Um, you know, all of them coming back, they'll remember that, and I think that'll help them eventually. Um, they aren't going to see a team in the Tri-County South throw as much as Stowe Rocks. I mean, Stowe Rocks ran pretty much an air raid offense. You know, they had Eric Wilson, a quarterback last year, one of the more prolific quarterbacks um, in recent years in the WPIL. Um, but um, th- that'll help them. You know, like you said, they, they, they bring a lot back on the defense a lot more than people think. They bring size back. Uh, you know, they're not as experienced, but they bring size back. They'll have Owen Hughes back, who's about 6'5", 275. You know, they'll bring Tristan White back, who's about the same. Um, Casey Miller, who's about 6'3", 6'4". So they have some definite height uh, and size on that defensive line. But, you know, um, height and weight look good on paper, but it's what you can do with it out on the field. So that'll be the key thing for me for West Green. And then I have their most important game at California. I think that game is probably their most important away game for sure. Um, That game is going to be huge for them. It's a game that they dominated so well last year. Again, California was the only really quality, you know, opponent they had in conference that was to their level. And they just completely obliterated that offense. And that, and that defense was so good for West Green last year. So how how is that gonna look this year? Losing Andrew Litton at linebacker, Ben Jackson at linebacker. So those are two huge pieces of that defense. Um, let's move into our order of finish. Uh, I have um, Carmichael's first right now. Uh, as far as on paper, that they're just the best team out of this conference. But that could definitely change. California second for me. Um, all those athletes, I think, is they're gonna. That, that's something that's unique among this conference is all the athletes they have coming back, and that's definitely going to be X factor for them. West Green at three, Bentworth at four, uh, Jefferson Morgan at five, Manesson at six, and Avella at seven with all the experience coming back, and then Mapletown at eight. Uh, Jeremiah, what is your order you want to run through here? Um, you know, the last podcast we had um, on Tri-County South, you know, I said a three-way tie. Um, I'm kind of going along with the same way. Um, you know, the, the top three teams I have are the same, West Green Carmichael's in California. I, I really don't know where to put each one of them. Um, so for that being said, those three teams are one, two, three, and whatever order you want to throw. Uh, I just really don't know yet. You know, we say, you know, Local Carmichael's did a 2A, you know, and they're coming down to 1A. You know, that should benefit them. You know, we don't know. I mean, I think it should, but, you know, what What, what do I know? Um, what does West, I think West Green has enough coming back, but do they have enough comeback to win the conference? I don't know. Um, I know California brings back a lot of great athletes, but that offensive line for me is still um, an issue for me. I, I, I don't know if I can, you know, if that offensive line. I know Carmichael's historically always has solid offensive lines, so does Carmichael's, you know, kind of overwhelm um, the line for Cal. You know, I just don't know. But I feel those three teams have what it takes to make the playoffs. So that's why I'll have those three teams, one, two, three, like I said, in whatever order. Um, and fourth, I have the Benworth Bearcats. Is, um, that pains me to say because I really like this Benworth team. Um, and I really can't – I could see this one of the Benworth te- um, Benworth upending one of those top three teams I just mentioned. You know, getting West Green at home, that's going to be huge. 
Um, that's the game I really look at for them to maybe upend. But I could I, I could honestly see Benworth maybe upending Cal or um, Carmichael's on the right night. You know, if things go their way. Um, and I believe the rest of the way it's the same as you. You know, I got Jefferson a, a fifth spot. You know, they bring a lot back, but is it? To, I, I know they. I don't think they have enough to get past. Um, any of the top four teams I just mentioned, um, six, I'm going to go Maness and seven of Vela because they return a lot, and it's going to be Mapletown in the last spot for me. I think it's interesting that we both said when we looked at Avella and Mapletown, we both thought Avella was better, even though Mapletown was clearly better than them last year. Uh, just at that level of play, um, experience is all about, it, it's what it's all about, and having you know 19 out of 22 back, that's very that's important for the Eagles. Um, that might help them even compete in games against like Manesson and Jefferson Morgan. You you never know, um, right? And then, man, Benworth is just such a mystery right now. Like I I have a feeling like when we looked at teams last year, me and Nick obviously we were we, we were not as knowledgeable as about these teams as we were now, um, but we were very high on Benworth last year, and it didn't really pay off for us. Um, and then th- I'm, I'm afraid of what that's going to do to do our predictions this year. Cause I could see that team dropping like your rocker moving up pretty quickly. So they're, they're definitely a team to keep your eye on, uh, in California in the trenches, they struggled in the trenches last year and they had, and they lost six of those guys. So that is, that's huge for them. That's, I, you mentioned that Carmichael's California might match up. That could be a disaster them because there's not really an offensive line or defensive line as strong as Carmichael's right now maybe West Green um, but as far as the rest of the conference go that's a, that's lacking for them so California could win this conference um, just based on athletes alone and that's kind of exciting when you, when you go to their, their games so uh, that'll just do it just about for the content of this podcast a little bit of a shorter one uh, these preview episodes I think we're going to aim to have them a little bit shorter now now that we're doing two a week. So we'll have another podcast out for you later this week, um, previewing the interstate and then the big eight after that. And then we'll be previewing the first week of the year. Definitely exciting uh, to talk about the first week of matchups. We will be going to scrimmages if they let us. Um, obviously, the Whippeal has not let up on their media restrictions yet, but... I'm fulfilling they're going to pretty soon. So that's exciting for us about going to games. Um, Jeremiah, any final words before I plug this podcast away? No, um, I just, I, I'm really excited me personally um, covering these Tri-County South games. I believe um, 80% of the games I cover are going to be Tri-County South. Um, you did throw me a bone when you gave me Wash High Trinity and I'm excited about that. So, but, um, you know, I'll be in my backyard, you know, for most of the time covering Tri-County South, and I'm excited to do that. Um, you know, getting to cover, you know, the conference I played in. And, you know, I played against most of these kids, too, so with or against. So that's another thing, too, just to cover these guys and give them the, the attention I feel they deserve. So that's going to be really cool, and I look forward to the, especially this season, you know, getting Carmichael's back, a team that I despise playing, you know, getting them back in the conference, you know, I think that's good. They belong in the, they belong in the Tri-County South. You know, they had no business being in the interstate. Um, so I, I'm really, I'm just really excited about this season, you know, as um, open as we think it is. And for me getting to cover it, uh, you know, I'm just very excited about that. Just another quick question for you that I just thought of, um, you know, 
we were talking about this the other day. Um, Green County teams really don't like each other. Um, uh, and you got, you know, four of them in this conference, I think, um, mm -hmm. now that Carmichael's <clears throat> moved down. What is the biggest rivalry in this conference? Uh, is it Carmichael's Jefferson Morgan um, now that Carmichael's moved down? It depends how you, like, it depends how you interpret rivalries. So, like, for those in the viewing area, you understand, like, the PAC rivalry is Waynesburg, W, and J. I don't, I've never considered that a rivalry because if you look at the all time record, W and J is like 47 and four against Waynesburg. And that's not a lot. I know, I, I know Waynesburg's only won four times against W and J ever in football. W and J has won a ton. Um, so it depends how you, how you interpret rivalry. Like me personally, like I, like even like in one that most people get, like Ohio State, Michigan. Like, Ohio State's won 15 of the last, like, 16 matchups against that. Like, and everyone goes, oh, that's the big rivalry. Like, I, I don't, to me, like, in my lifetime, I've never considered, like, it's a rivalry, don't get me wrong, because of a demographic, you know, uh, geography and everything, you know, that obviously. Um, and that's kind of where I'm getting at between Jefferson and Carmichael's. You know, you have, I mean, I know for a fact, you know, there's, you know, one street, kids on the left go to Jeff Morgan, kids on the right side of that street go to Carmichael's. Um, so as far as like geography or that goes, that's a big rivalry. Um, I considered growing, when I was playing, I considered, I mean, every team a rivalry, but I consider our biggest rivalry was Carmichael's and Jefferson and Mapletown too. But as I said, as far as the competing level, you know, we was, it was always close with us, Jefferson, you know, Carmichael's, it was always close with Carmichael's, you know, we, to be frank, you know, we kind of all just we, Mapletown wasn't up to the level that our teams were. So I never consider that a big rivalry. But, um, you know, Waynesburg and Jefferson used to be a big rivalry uh, back in the day because those, you know, those school two school districts are fairly close. Um, so, I mean, it's, it, you know, I, I feel like if you're in um, Green County, as far as playing high school football, I feel like every school a rivalry, you know, I, when I played, I always considered California a big rival, you know, um, Manesson got to be a rivalry, you know, we had some tough, we had some tough fights with Manesson. So as far as this conference goes, you know, there's just a bunch of rivalries, not just only the four in green County that you talk about, you know, we, we, you know, we, I considered Vela a big rivalry, you know, we, Vela didn't like us and we couldn't stand a Vela and that, that's just going to be truthful. Um, just, we didn't like each other. And, um, so I mean I I know like when I was in high school Cal I, I don't know how this started but like Cal and Avella became a huge rivalry like those two schools would go back and forth on social medias about it like it, it was it's hilarious looking back on now but and, and I mean it's but uh, back to the the question you asked the biggest rivalry to <laughs> get back on track um i would definitely say jeff morgan and carmichael's for the fact of geography demographics and um for that matter and it's one of the it's one of the longest running rivalries well not anymore longest running but it's one of the older rivalries in the wpil as well so for that i would have to say jefferson carmichael's well thank you jeremiah for um basically giving me a promo for our first game of the week um, <laughs> I will be sure to post that on Twitter um, before that game just to get everybody riled up between those two schools because I, I, I'm definitely excited for that game more now um, to see those teams kind of that rivalry rekindled. Um, but that game is going to be fun. Um, West Green, 
Carmichael's is also going to be fun uh, later in the year. So uh, that'll just do it for our podcast. Um, be sure to check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also check it out on CastBox or vice versa or just about anywhere else you find podcasts. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you have found it. So you have the right um, process uh, to go listen to it already. Um, you can t- contact us through Twitter at PA Backyard or on Facebook in Facebook Messenger. I will try to reply to those promptly. And you can go check out our merch. It's up on Teespring now, uh, teespring.com slash backyard PA football uh, to go get a sweatshirt or a t-shirt or a mug or a fanny pack. Um, I tried to price it as low as I could because I know um, how important it is for to get our brand out there, uh, first of all. So we're not making any money off of it. It's just for you guys to um, try to represent what you listen to. Uh, so we're definitely excited once fans coming start coming back to see some of that merch in the stands because that would be exciting for us. Uh, we'll probably take a picture with you if we see it. Um, if you want to support what we do, uh, we're starting to ramp up all of the multimedia aspects of this heading into the season. Uh, you can go check out our Patreon um, and help support us. Um, and what what we cover, we're going to have what, 10 guys out covering games on a Friday night this year. Uh, that's exciting for us um, to go out and cover as many games as we can for you guys. Yeah, I mean, with parents not being there and with fans not being there, um, the most coverage is always beneficial um, for you guys. So we hope you guys will go support us there. Go check out PAFootballNews.com for all of our articles um, and just about anything else you want to know about Pennsylvania high school football. Billy does a great job hosting that site and helping us out with a place um, to post things um, for him. So it's exciting for us as well. Um, beside that, uh, Jeremiah, any final thoughts before we go? No, I'm all good. You pretty much wrapped it up. Go buy some merch if you can. Uh, Nate's got some. Nate's got the prices down pretty low, so if you get a chance, go buy some merch. Support us. We'd appreciate it. Yeah, and there's some cool designs up there too. We have our classic logo. We got a cool um, all gray logo. Uh, and then we got one with our schedule on it. So if you want to be reminded when we're going to go see your team or when a special video is going to be posted about your team, uh, you can wear our schedule. So that's exciting as well. Uh, this has been the Backyard PA Football Podcast. I am Nathan Grella. I'm Jeremiah Miller. And we will see you guys in a couple days when we break down the interstate. Peace out. You've been listening to the Backyard Football Podcast. With Nathan Grella, Nick Househalter, and Brock Owens. The Backyard Football Podcast is a member of the Western PA Football Podcast Network. For more information, follow the podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the podcast on CastBox and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening, and have a great day.
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.